0: And welcome to a brand new episode of Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the podcast. I can't tell you how excited I am for today's guest, mainly because she has four boys, not a measly three like mine, (laughs) And she manages to always present herself in a really calm and serene way. So I want to know how she is doing that. (laughs) She's had a bonkers few years. And the last month has been also a little bit crazy with the arrival of her documentary, The Real Wagatha Christie Story on Disney+. And her book, My Account, which has just been published... Hello, Colleen Rooney. Hello, (laughs) nice to be here. How are you? Yeah, I'm good.
1: I'm in a good place. I'm happy. Yeah. Obviously, you know, I've had, a, as you say, a mad few years, but now it's all calm. Yeah. As calm as can be with four boys and (laughs) obviously doing, you know, the documentary is now out and the book is out as well. Yeah. So there's been a lot around that, but over the last few years, it's... I feel like now a cloud has been lifted and I can now get on with my life and, you know, be present with my family life. Yeah.
0: How has it felt being in promo for the two things? Because I think especially with a book, actually, because a book's out now and it's the most recent thing. I think when you're taking time writing you really think about how you word things. You really think about how that's coming across and what you want to say and what you want to put out there. Then when you're in promo, and I know because I've done non-fiction and fiction, when you're in promo, suddenly people are asking you things and you're like, well, I've thought about this and it's in the book. So if you want to just see just <laughs> how I've worded it in the book, you know what I mean? And then suddenly you'll get things that are sensationalised in headlines and things like that and it's almost taken out of your control in a way. So how has that been this week? Well,
1: obviously, I was getting ready in the hotel this morning and it was on TV yeah. and they handpick what headlines yeah. they want to put out there. Sometimes you think there's a lot more in there, there's a lot more happier stuff that can <laughs> you know be headlines, but obviously they go with the ones that... That are going to draw attention. Yeah. Do you know what? I've lived my life like that through mm-hmm. headlines. And this is what's nice about the book and the documentary is I can explain them yeah. headlines and what they say. Did that really happen? It gives me time in the book to explain that in depth yeah. and how I felt. And the fact that I am a person, I'm not mm-hmm. just this person that you see on you know in the papers or on tv I have got feelings I have got a life yeah just letting people into my life a bit more and just to explain situations and why I have done things in the past yeah
0: it's incredible actually if you think about the 20 years that you've been in the public eye so much has changed within that time especially with things like social media and actually my account like looking at the title people might think oh it's the court case it's not at all. Like, actually, it's a small part of the book. And actually, what you've had for 20 years is you've had storylines written about you where you've never replied, ever. You've never gone out there and gone, actually, that's rubbish or put your point across. or And actually, it, it feels really lovely as a reader to kind of go, that's who the person is. That's who Colleen is.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I think the court case has to be mentioned because that obviously. has been part of my life and it's a
0: beautiful play on words yeah. with the my account being yeah. shared <laughs> on there
1: <laughs> I love that but I think obviously doing the documentary that was highlighting the core case and why I did what I did yeah and I think that was all in there whereas the book it goes into depth it goes back to childhood and it it flows through where the way I've been raised and my morals in life and that continues into my children and it goes to show why I did battle through that court case and I never backed down even though at times I wanted to but the main point was I was telling the truth and that is something that my dad instilled in me you know always tell the truth and you'll be fine and I did and I at the end of it you know it, it was fun it was hard to get to the end mm. of it but you know that's where I feel like the book explains who I am as a person yeah. and the way I've been brought up and I've been you know fortunate to have a really lovely upbringing and, and my mum dad you know have been great role models to me it then explains how I intend to bring my children up as yeah. well so you know Writing the book, it brought back happy memories yeah. as well. You know, there's, there's my difficulties. And again, I had to go through, talk about them because it's been, yeah. a, you know, part of my life.
0: It's a really refreshing and enjoyable read. Mm. I've read it from cover to cover really, really quickly, actually. I felt like I was with you and you were just tearing, yeah. t- telling me like, <laughs> different things. And I really, really enjoyed it. And I feel like for you, probably it's a lovely thing to go out and promote and talk about. It's finally you having your voice, and I love that.
1: Yeah, I think it's an easy subject for me to go out and talk about. You know, my life, it's...
0: You don't have to take a test on it. You've lived it. I've lived it. it.
1: I know what I'm talking about. So it is, it's enjoyable to just let people know a bit more about me because that's the thing in the public people think they know you they don't actually
0: yeah absolutely absolutely so tell me more about your childhood because I know it was super grounded but tell us a little bit more about your mum and dad and your upbringing
1: so my mum was a nursery nurse and my dad was a bricklayer they met really young my mum was 16 Mm. when they met she was married at 18. Yeah, my mum lost her mum when she was 16. So I think she had to grow up really quick. She was the youngest of eight. So she did have a lot of older siblings who looked after her Mm. as well. She met my dad and obviously fell in love and they got married straight away she wanted children that her job obviously tells it all that she loved being around children she's got a really caring nature and you know I can see myself in my mum's ways and she's just always had a love for kids so she wants to have children really quickly but it didn't happen so they tried for seven years so she had operations back then it was she had operations she had fertility treatment and then I came along which you know I think to know that you're wanted so much Mm -hmm. is quite a special feeling and my mum and dad were just over the moon and then my brothers 18 months later naturally my brother Joe came along at least 16 months after that and he came along <laughs> so it so was three under three <laughs> yeah she had three under three and she said she wouldn't have had it any other way and even when I have been pregnant I've got on with it, I haven't enjoyed being pregnant, you know, I like the outcome of having a baby at the end but yeah. I just didn't enjoy it but my mum used to always say to me, oh Colleen I loved being pregnant you should be happy, I said I am happy that I am, you know, I'm carrying a baby but all oh, you putting on the weight and just not feeling yourself, I didn't yeah. enjoy, I said mum you mustn't have had a life <laughs> but she was like no, I just loved the whole pregnancy process, so we, she had us three and then she never went back to work after that really so my dad he worked as a bricklayer and then he'd done my uncle had a firm so he'd work at weekends to get extra money but my dad wanted that my dad wanted my mum to be and she wanted it too she wanted to be there for us yeah and always you know have someone around for the children so that was my early days and we had such great memories they always we didn't have much money but they always found a way of doing stuff for us whether it involved money or not you know my dad was always active we'd always be out doing stuff you know we had a routine and that was I think what I have carried on with my children we have a routine and I find being organized is such a, a great way of getting by as a parent yeah and day-to-day life. So we used to, you know, go swimming on a Thursday. We used to have a a regular menu for like breakfast, (laughs) lunch, tea, obviously lunch we were at school. But I think that all goes down to my dad was, he used to box, amateur boxer, and he was always regimental on what he ate And it wasn't regiment in a really serious way, but it was just, you know, making sure that we were having a healthy, balanced diet.
0: You know, I've got really happy memories of a child. How old were you when your mum started looking after other children as well? I
1: was... 13, 12, 13, and they sat me and my two brothers down and they said, we want to ask you something. So we said... Okay, and they said we would like to start fostering and doing respite care, so short-term fostering and respite care for children with disabilities or who have been taken into care. So we just said, oh, yeah, that's great and really loved the idea of having children in our house. I think they were a bit took back by it because (laughs) no-one had nothing to say. We were all just for it. But my mum and dad have done charity work for the local hospital and the church, and Mm. we've always been around you know, children growing up and it was not different to yeah. us. Um, so we did used to have children who come a weekend every now and again. It wasn't all the time. It was, you know, maybe once a month they come and then it did get a bit regular. Once we started to have a relationship with the children, their parents were really comfortable of them coming to ours and maybe ask for a little bit more time. So the ones who did have mums and dads the children would come to us so they could have a break or spend yeah. a bit more time with the other children. And then there was children in care as well. And some of the stories were, it was heartbreaking. But I think as young children, you don't grasp that at the time. Mm-hmm. But when I look back at it now, it was good for us as kids to just give us that outlook on on life and how other families and children live and what's happened. I think that's where I've always been grateful for what. I've gotten, and, and again my dad used to say to us you know if we used to ask for something he was like you don't need it you know and also he used to always t- to refer to us as we were millionaires we were not millionaires but he would say you've got a roof over your head you've got food on the table you've got clothes on your back we are millionaires compared to other people mm. and that's always been a outlook that I've had in life as you know Getting through things, I've always thought, Colleen, there's people in much worse positions than you are. Come on, get a grip, get on with it. I think that's always been a coping mechanism of mine. I've just always had that thought in the back of my head that you've got a good life, Colleen. You know, you're healthy. Just get through this difficult time.
0: Yeah. How old were you when Rosie came along? I was 14. Yeah, I think 13, 14. Was there a different bond with her compared to everyone else? Yeah, so Rosie
1: came on a long-term fostering plan. So they said, we've got a little girl that really needs somewhere to go. And she had two siblings. So she got a brother and sister who we still keep in contact with now. And they didn't know. She wasn't diagnosed, but they just thought it was neglect. And when she came to us, she was nearly two And she couldn't walk, she couldn't talk, she couldn't make sounds, but they just thought she just hadn't been looked after. So my mum researched and she was like, there's more to it. Obviously, being around kids with disabilities Mm. for a long time, she said she's got something wrong with her. And she said to the doctors, I think this is what Rosie's got. And it was, it was retindrome and it's a genetic disorder. And it's quite sad because as they get older, they deteriorate. Right. So she was in a wheelchair. She could crawl when she came to us, so she could get by. But that all went and even like she couldn't eat. She was fed through a peg. She just needed 24-7 care. And my mum dad, you know, gave that to her. We didn't know whether she was going to stay forever. But just after a few months, the bond was just unbelievable between us as a family yeah. and we accepted it in like you know we didn't bat an eyelid she was part of our family from day one and we obviously went on to adopt Rosie which was a long process it was difficult but we got there in the end do you know what was nice about it as well is not just our family accepted it it was the whole family mm. and friends <clears throat> and it was like no one ever looked at it as Being adopted, it was like she was just everyone. She was your sister. She was my sister. She was their cousin. She was their niece. It was lovely. The other thing what really struck me was she touched so many people's lives. Because she did have, you know, a disability, she always put a smile on her face. Mm. But people would, you know, obviously get to know her who were outside as you know who came into contact and over the years they said she's really changed our lives because we look at her and we think all the trouble she's got and the difficulties she goes through but she always puts a smile on her Mm -hmm. face and it was nice that people could take that away from her. But she was, you know, she was just a joy to be around. She was funny. She had a sense of humour even though she couldn't talk. She knew what was going on and she used to laugh at anyone who hurt themselves. (laughs) So if anyone fell over or there was a bang, she used to just laugh. So my dad used to just throw himself around the room just to hear that laugh and bump into things. And I think people who didn't know my dad used to think, what is he doing that nutter? But it was just to keep her happy and get that laugh out of it. And in the documentary, my dad says about she didn't like going to school. Obviously, she needed to go to get out of the house and to routine so she used to get have a one-on-one carer who used to get on the bus wherever morning and then she used to go out the house with her face on her she never <laughs> liked going to school so one day they got a phone call my mum and dad to say Rosie's not well we're going to take her straight to the hospital in ambulance will you meet us there so my mum and dad they were there before the ambulance so she gets lowered out of the ambulance and she just burst out laughing <laughs> and my dad said you you've got us to come here <laughs> and you're... It was just the Sky off school. She knew what she was doing. There was nothing wrong with her. So little, Yeah, she was cheeky. Um, but no, it was, you know, looking back at the memories, you know, it's emotional, but we've got so many happy times. Yeah. Um, you know, this whole process of, you know, writing the book and doing the documentary, I just got on with it. I did yeah. it. But then the few days before them actually getting released, that's when you stop and think, are people going to get why I am doing this? And at the documentary, I thought, I've told my story, there's nothing else I can do, but are people going to realise why I am actually doing this? And the feedback has been exactly what I wanted it to be, is we understand now why you did it. We understand, you know, why you felt like that. And it has, it's been, I've, really appreciated all the messages i've had and the feedback it's been unbelievable and also just let people know you're not on your own yeah and you know there's been people who've been in contact that are going through court cases at the minute and they've said the amount of times they've wanted to give up but actually watching that it's made them just battle through more um also people who been through relationship problems yeah and people are quick to say oh get rid of him or get rid of her you know why why are you are still there people don't realize that you can work at things mm. if the love's still there you can it can take a long process and that's what i've explained and that my decisions haven't been overnight They've took a long time, and in that time, I've never thought, right, it's going to be fine. We've had to go, you know, through ups and downs
0: to get there in the end. But I can't imagine what it would be like to go through those hard times or to share a piece of you, like the miscarriage, like your miscarriages being everywhere, and knowing that they are then going to be put in a paper or even debated on daytime TV. Like, to think that your relationship is debated about is mind-blowing like yeah. why does anyone else care when they don't know the full picture yeah
1: a lot of that came out while i was doing the court case was oh she's okay putting this public but she doesn't speak about her husband mm. you know what when he's you know made mistakes and the point is is we are husbands and wife yeah. we can go behind closed doors and sort that out between ourselves yeah. and that's what we've done this was a legal battle. It was public. Mm-hmm. We had to play it out in front of the public. It, and you were wasn't being taken my, to court. It yeah. was you
0: didn't want to do that. No,
1: most definitely, I wanted to try and sort it out so I didn't get to court because my point was, why am I going to a, a high court to argue a battle in front of everyone yeah. when we can try and resolve this behind, you know, closed doors? You know, the book and the documentary show that I didn't want to go there. Yeah. I and it was the fact that. I was getting took to court, which Mm -hmm. a lot of people didn't realise. They
0: thought because it was happening to me, I was the one that, you know, brought the case on, but it wasn't. So let's go back early days. Did you (laughs) always know that you wanted to be a mum yourself? Yes, I loved children, and that's where I, you know, obviously
1: take after my mum. I've always, you know... being motherly, I've yeah. always looked after my younger brothers. I have I used to babysit my younger cousins and I used to babysit the kids over the road. And I was laughing about that. I laugh about it in the book. I, I got five pounds and <laughs> they used to go out on a Friday or a Saturday and it was just, you could see their house from ours. It was just over the road. It was my mum's friend. And I had an obsession with cleaning. I love cleaning. <laughs> and I used to clean the house top to bottom, reorganise everything and um, look after the children and I'd get five pounds. Nowadays, like I was talking to a young girl the other day and they were, she was like, five pounds for all that? I was like, yeah, but they didn't ask me to do the cleaning. I'd just done it for <laughs> While I'm here. all that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did. I've always, you know, loved children. And... Do you
0: remember when you and Wayne started thinking about having a family yourselves? Did you ever talk about like a fa- like being mum and dad?
1: Yes, um, Wayne would find a child straight away. Really?
0: (laughs) He was just so excited about becoming a dad. Do you know what, though? I think so. Me and Tom, over the years, before we had our kids, whenever we would go somewhere like a wedding, we would always go towards the kids. I wonder if some of that is that's a safe space where you have adults who are maybe expecting something from you, whereas you go to kids and there's nothing like, there's nothing but pure, what are you going to give me in this moment? You know what I mean? There's a very different interaction.
1: I understand where you come from because the kids, you know, obviously if, if you're in the public eye, you do get pecked a lot in mm. parties and in spaces where they will ask you questions, they'll ask your opinion on stuff. Kids, nah. I've got a clue. Yeah, we are going to give me now? We're <laughs> gonna be, are we going <laughs> to Especially gonna, you know. Wayne nowadays, that's the thing. And he goes to the school and because he's not playing anymore, none of the younger kids know <laughs> who he is. He's not important. And, you know, what my youngest took match attack card in and it was an old one of Wayne and he said no like my friend didn't know
0: that my dad used to play football <laughs> which is good in a yeah, way it isn't is. it for you because I think we worry yeah. that that's going to be carried with them yeah. they're so and so son but actually when they get the, the kids don't care no no my children play football now and obviously in school
1: I always say you know we're their parents we're not as public figures and I don't want to be treated any different to any other mum and dad there because that is is I am there as their parents not as anyone else and obviously what two of our children are at the club Wayne played for and in the academies and again I say I don't want... I have to say it because I've just blended in with everyone else and I do the same as anyone else does. And it's good for the children, keeping them grounded.
0: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Can you remember finding out you were pregnant for the very first time? Yes. We were, like, obviously both over
1: the moon. You know, we wanted a child. And Wayne, more so than anyone, you know, becoming a dad was something that he'd always wanted. And... We grew up pretty quick for our age and I felt like that was the case of being in the public eye Mm -hmm. because we had to become more aware of, you know, things around us. We had to take criticism. We had to just learn how to be careful in a way. And it's, you know, it's not a good way of being, but we were able to do it. So when we found out, we obviously told our parents And we never told anyone else because we were waiting to the 12-week scan. But unfortunately, we didn't get to the 12-week scan. I started bleeding and then went to the hospital. It just happened there when we were at the hospital. We went for the scan. That We came away and they said, you know, there's still a heartbeat there, but it's not. The baby's not growing as it should. So, you know, go home. But when I went home, I was bleeding more, went back to the hospital and we lost the baby. It was heartbreaking. And it was something that straight away in my mind was, am I going to be able to have children?
0: Well, especially, did you know at that point, anything about your mum's fertility struggle? Yes, I've known that because they've always
1: told me that I was so wanted yeah. and you know, you say to your children, I love you and but my mum dad's always explained that, you know, we really wanted ch- you and then Joe and Anthony came along. So I have always knew about it. However, my mum struggled getting pregnant. Yeah. So that's what she explained to me. She said, Colleen, at least you know you can get pregnant. She never ever got pregnant in yeah. that seven years. So Did it you was... know
0: anyone at that time though that had had a miscarriage that you could talk to about it?
1: My mama told me that my auntie had a miscarriage, but you know, none of my friends. To be honest, it was something we kept really quiet and to ourselves. This is the first time ever I've spoken yeah. public about it, and I thought I will include it. I feel like the times right now to open up about it in the book. And we'd just been married; it was a happy time. We wanted a family, but it didn't work out. Yeah. But it has worked out now. And what I explain in the book is Wayne really struggled with it. And that's where I feel like I need to say it's not just all about the women. We need to take care of the men as well because I do feel like they get forgotten about a lot. And Wayne, he at one point he did say, I know it's hard for you, but it's hard for me as well.
0: Yeah, and absolutely. It
1: wasn't until he said that to me that I realised that you're right, you know, yeah. it is. And you wanted, you know, the
0: baby... Just as much, but if not more than me. So, when I wrote Happy Mum, Happy Baby, I decided on the first edit, the first go round, to just share everything. So, I wrote about PCOS and I shared about the miscarriage that I'd had before my eldest. So, it was my first pregnancy and I'd never spoken about it to anyone before. But there's something about getting those feelings down on paper. And actually, me and Tom hadn't really spoken about it much beyond, we hadn't like kept going over it but it was that thing of actually then him reading it once we had buzz the reality of that loss kicked in the reality is we wouldn't have had buzz had that pregnancy gone all the way so he is our silver lining but sometimes it's what comes after can really highlight what was lost
1: yeah definitely and as you see your child so obviously Kai came after I had the miscarriage when you hold that child you think what would have that you know the sex was it a girl was a boy things do start playing through your mind but I went on to have another miscarriage in between my second and third Mm. and I then began to wonder can I not carry girls yeah and that was something that does play on my mind but you know I never went on to have a third which then they will investigate Really, yeah But I've got four healthy boys and them two babies that I've lost are never forgotten about, you know, like obviously Kai knows. But I will share that with them and say, you know, you've just highlighted is, you know,
0: how lucky we are to have them. You know, we have lost. Yeah. It is a great thing when people feel like they can share to share, because there are so many people out there who will be going through a miscarriage now or will have done years ago or recently, whatever that is. And we carry so much with us that we can't vocalise and we can't share. And we feel like maybe it's all on us, that our bodies failed us or whatever that is. And actually, when other people kind of go, me too, like that's been me, there's a kind of sense of it's not just you. Know. No, definitely. And that's where I realised that when I had
1: my first and obviously I spoke within my close circle and there was a lot more people than I yeah. ever knew at had miscarriages. And then as the years have gone on and obviously meeting other mums through the children, it's so common. And you do feel like you are on your own. And the more you hold it in, the more you don't bring up that subject in conversation. So I do, obviously, little things that I've brought to light throughout my life, you know, and I've made it public. You realise that it does help Mm. other people, and they then say, you know, it is good to talk about it. Do you remember how you felt going into your second pregnancy? I was much more nervous than, you know, I think... The joy of being pregnant overtook the first break. I didn't really think of the health yeah. side of it. You know, obviously, I was doing everything by the book and being, you know, healthy. And But obviously, I didn't really focus on the baby's health as much. Second time round, it was constantly on my mind. And I did go and get more regular checks yeah. and more scans than I ever should have. I, I must have had a record amount of scans, <laughs> haven't I? And it shouldn't be like that, you know, but it's just, it kept me sane and
0: happy knowing that it's a funny feeling i think once you've had a miscarriage it doesn't every pregnancy for me has been the same in terms of that anxiety even though i know you know even max my youngest even though i'd had two healthy pregnancies and welcomed two boys before that i still had those nerves
1: yeah i think once you've had one then that's never ever going to go away from you from you because you know it can happen yeah it's not a nice way to enter your pregnancy but
0: You can't, it's just with you forever, really. So actual pregnancy-wise, you said at the start, you didn't like pregnancy. I didn't mind it. I didn't enjoy it. (laughs) Your mum loves it, though. My mum loves it.
1: Um, Yeah, I just, the whole feeling the baby and, you know, knowing that you are growing a human inside you is amazing, and that is an unbelievable feeling. However, all the things, you know... The body changing, the tiredness, and especially when you've got other kids as well (laughs) to look after. I think the more I got pregnant, the more I didn't enjoy it even more because it was, you know, it's a struggle at times. But again, I kept bringing it back to, you're lucky to be having a child, Colleen, so just don't moan about it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And how did you feel heading towards the birth?
1: You just got on with it. And then a few days before, you think,
0: I am actually going to have But this you are baby. such an organised person, like <laughs> yeah. with your lists and everything like that. I feel like you're so organised. Were you someone who like read all the books and felt like this is what's going to happen? Or first time round, I
1: bought every book yeah. and just because I've been around so many kids and babies and we've got a massive family, I kind of knew yeah, it all yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we'd, my mum had picked pick three newborn babies from the hospital, oh. where foster. So we fostered three babies that we brought home from hospital. Yeah. So I was like a mini mum then, you yeah. know, it was so lovely. There was a, a little boy who we picked up from the hospital, he came home and he was with us for quite a few months. It was hard, mm. you know, giving them, but as my parents explained, they are going to someone who really wants them, who maybe can't have children themselves. And so they were going on to get adopted. They highlighted how... We were the first people who gave them, you know, you know, the love, their their love and life, and um, so we've given them a good start. Now yeah. they're going to go to, you know, a family who really want them. And Bri now who is the little boy, is sixteen, and we still see him. Oh, he comes, and our children love seeing him, and it's really nice that we've kept that yeah. contact. So obviously, having the three babies, that kind of
0: sorted out that bit. But the birth bit... No, birth bit. I just...
1: <laughs> I went over. Mine were just all lazy boys. So I got induced for all of mine. Except Cass, Wayne was due to go away with work. So I went in a couple of days before my due date and got induced then. It was full term. But all the other three were over. So I knew what was coming after I had Kai. It was quite organised in a way. All natural bits. But no, with Kai, I went in and I just always remember my dad dropping us off in Liverpool Women's Hospital. And we'd been for a Chinese before it was a big day that we were going to the hospital. I'd had my hair blown because I had time. <laughs> I had time to do it because other... I didn't have any other children. <laughs> so I'd had a tan and my mum had bottle of champagne chilling in the fridge for my dad to bring up once I'd had the baby. I didn't know what sex I was having. So we went in and my mum had a pack lunch for here and Wayne. And then it was, you got in there and as we were walking in, there was ladies outside getting some fresh air on the bench and they were like oh it's Colleen good luck love and I was like, <laughs> oh this is all surreal like I am actually going in without a baby but going to come out with a baby so we went and we got all set up in the room and it was a long process because you have the tablet then you know we wore sat and the baby's head wasn't even engaged really? it was yeah it was going to be a long night so I went in at I was thinking it was half nine in the evening. And I had him at two o'clock the next afternoon. So it wasn't, okay, too, it wasn't too long, but it was slow. It was a slow, you know, very slow start. Yeah. Was it the first time around that you had your dad in the room? He wasn't there at the beginning, but once we knew I was ready to have the baby, yeah. he came. I love yeah. this so yeah. much. So he's been in the room for all four of my babies. Really? Yeah. And it's sort of that people have like, not understood at times. When I've said, oh, my dad was in the room, like, what, you've had your dad in the room when you've had a baby? He hasn't gone down the bottom. He's always stayed at the top. But I just wanted him to be there when his, you know, grandchildren are in come into the world and knowing their love of children, it's just such a happy yeah. moment for, for everyone. So my mum, dad and Wayne, and I've been lucky that the hospital have allowed you know them to be there. And we've all had to turn a cutting cords, well, I say we they have. So when it came to cutting Kai's cords, Wayne was enough for it. He was really a bit, Yeah, he's a bit like, oh, I is don't he a know bit screaming? He can be at times, right. yeah. And obviously he was when it came to cutting the cord. So my dad cut the cord. Mm. And then second time round with Clay, Wayne cut the cord. I think he obviously been there, seen it, he built up the courage that yeah I'm going to do it he did it third time around my mum had to turn <laughs> and then fourth time around my eldest Kai cooked Cass's Court and he was just amazed at the whole process of yeah. pregnancy and he was you know asking questions all the time and then he asked can I be there when you have the baby and he wasn't in the room when I had it gave birth because I didn't know you know it's a lovely moment but it's not very nice to, to look at <laughs> So he was in the waiting room next door. When I knew I was ready to have him, my dad went and picked him up. He was with my brothers. So he then brought Kai to the hospital and then I had Cass and then he got brought into the room. And we said, would you like to cut the cord? And he, yeah, he'd done it, no problem. And it was just, I've got it on video, you know, watching it back. It's just a lovely moment <sighs> that, you know, we was old enough to do it as well. So, yeah, it's a nice story to tell.
0: Yeah, I love that. Yeah.
1: So much, just love. Yeah, and sharing the look, you know, it's nice. to, And that's something
0: that we do. We include everyone in, yeah. in things we do as a family. and And also that's pretty special, like fourth birth. For the whole family, to still be like, we've got this clean. Don't worry. <laughs> my, I think my family would be like, whatever, another one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what the excitement was there with all of them? I think as well. I only ever found out the sex with my second with right. What made you find out the sex at that time? I think the others? being as you know organized as I am, I thought I'll prepare and I'll know the sex and. I didn't enjoy the process. I thought it stretched it out a bit, knowing that I was having a boy, which I was over the moon with two boys. But there was no surprise at the end of it. So I didn't find out with the other two. And
0: it's interesting. So, with that, would you like pick to name and everything straight away as well? I was undecided size- right. of,
1: of a couple. So I did say, once he comes out, yeah. we'll see.
0: But I didn't tell anyone because people do you know. You didn't find out the sex, all the names? Oh, no, sorry, you um, didn't, didn't tell, anyone, tell anyone the names. The, the names, Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, Although you have done very similar to me. So I have Buzz, Buddy and Max. Well, I mean, I get them all confused, but Buzz and Buddy, <laughs> having names that are quite similar. Yeah, it's it is. horrendous. <laughs> the f-
1: yeah, they all, obviously, a lot of people, yeah, they all blend at some point. I know. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, Rrr. my first three, Kai, Clay and Kate, they're all with a K. And Cass is with a say, And people are like, What's the deal spot, with that? We
0: could have spelled with a K. Yeah,
1: and I said I looked at the meanings. Obviously, you'd look at what the, yeah. the names mean. And so, Cass with a K meant black or a bird of some type, not an attractive bird. Yeah. And with a C, it meant clever. So I thought, oh, that's quite good. Cass was the last child I was going to have, and obviously I've got all boys. I thought it'd be quite nice to do a C because I'm a C, and it's yeah. just a bit maybe put a bit more of you know a girly thing onto it. And then his middle name is Mac. So my surname is McLaughlin. It was all about me. And my <laughs> middle name is Mary. Like you put a yeah. lot of effort in to <laughs> have these four boys. Um, I think it's fine. Yeah, my middle name's Mary, so the M. So I thought as well, McLaughlin. And then he'll have the same initials as me as well. Aww. So Mac means son of. So his name means clever son of Rooney. So I thought that was quite nice. So that's why it is with a C and the others with a K. But I like when choosing the names, they always chose short, sharp names. Yeah, You know, he could have been Cassius and then Cassius. But I thought, I'm not going to be calling them, so I'll just call them what I am going to be calling them. So that's why I use cat.
0: How did you find leaving the hospital and going home? Because the first time around, you went to your mum and dad's, right? Yes. I planned to
1: go to my mum and dad's for... A week or so. Right. we there? There? A few months. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to leave. Um it was just our first it was so overwhelming because obviously we've moved away from Liverpool, but we're only an hour up the road. But everyone congregates in my mum and dad so yeah. all the family and it's lovely because you're there and you don't know who's going to pop in and it's quite nice but I do like to go back home as well and they have to organise to come and see us <laughs> are you going to be in yeah or no and that you know who's going to a knock on the door you're like yeah. who is that <laughs> do you know that was a big point when we moved to America the children got so excited when the doorbell went because we didn't <laughs> know anyone there it's like, who's at the door <laughs> like a delivery man um, but yeah, it's you don't have to but people don't want to make the journey if yeah. you're not gonna be in, so yeah. they'll ring you beforehand. So when I had Kai, I went to my mum and dad's and the house was just so busy for the week. It was just people coming and going. It was the first grandchild on both sides. Oh. It was, you know, everyone was really just excited to see him and just check in on how I was and it was so nice. But then obviously I had the help and I then stayed longer than what I ever thought. And then going from my mum's home, it was a big step because mm. you just think, I am responsible for this little human now. This is my life. There was one point where I've wrote about in the book where when I was at my mum's and I just got so emotional. I think it was mm. the hormones and just the realisation of I have got a child and I never thought about it in that way before. Everyone was just... You know, there was excitement, there was happiness. But when he, I realised that my life has changed now, it's yeah. going to change, everything revolves around this little human. We've been so fortunate to just Wayne's job, didn't know when he was in, when he was mm-hmm. off. And, you know, you could get scheduled to say you're going to be off this day, but it could change last minute. So we had to just do things on the spirit of the moment. So he, he could come home and say, oh, we're off tomorrow. So we'd say, oh, let's go to London. Let's yeah. do this. That all stopped. That wasn't reality anymore because we had to now have, you know, think about Kai Yeah. Um, and that all come over me suddenly. And I was thinking, oh, you know, this is, and then I started thinking about people less fortunate than me and mums that haven't got the help and are living in small places in blocks of flats and who struggle and all of a sudden I just had all these emotions and I just broke down to my mum and I was like oh you know I started and she was like Colleen just take a breath you're not in that position. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate that people are and it's nice that you're thinking, but don't get yourself waked up about it. Just think about you now yeah. and you'll be fine. You'll
0: be a great mom. And I think it was just all overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, it's a massive change. Massive change. And I, and I don't think we really think about that step. But no. suddenly you're not just you anymore. No. You have another person that you've got to take into account yeah. and often their needs yeah. go before yours. It was, and it's, it's very different, I think, having a newborn in the house, like the children that you would have taken in to foster, very different to suddenly having your own newborn and your body and your emotions and everything else yeah. being so raw. Yeah, and that was within the first week and yeah.
1: I think it was it just everything was just going through my mind. And, but I quickly snapped out of it, obviously because I had that support yeah. network around me. Obviously I was taken on board, people haven't got this. Mm. And it's you know it shouldn't be that way,
0: yeah, absolutely. How have your recoveries differed?
1: I've been quite lucky i've have you? yeah just got back into things. I think I'm just I like to just get on, yeah, with life, and I think obviously with Kai being the first, you take time you've you've got the time to take Mm -hmm. whereas obviously when you've got other children on board it is getting back you know you've got to go to school they've got to go to nursery they've got clubs to go to so that
0: baby that you've just had just comes along with you
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's you you just she always
0: amazes me actually when we think about the how much care we take with the first like everything i have got to be back by this time because they've got a nap whatever that is and actually after that no no you don't have the time that no. you know. You've just got to get on with it. Well, that's
1: what I would say about my youngest now. So I have to nag the others to like do stuff or you know, what homework have you got? Get on with your homework. My youngest is five, and within all this nagging he will come up to me and say "Mama, I've done my homework I haven't even had to ask him <laughs> it's because he's the last one in line to say right what you know what have you got I think he's just learned. he's picked up he's probably thinking I don't want to even go on at me to, to do mine so I'll just go and do it um, but I think it is because you do they get so much time and attention whereas obviously the little ones you're just short and sharp with them and yeah, you know, yeah. you've got to come on get up get out we've got to take so and so somewhere and yeah. but yeah we shouldn't I do stop and think sometimes I need to you know now cherish these moments because I know I'm not going to have any more children
0: and he is my youngest and life goes so quick yeah it does yeah. I know that Wayne's had the snip yeah but for you guys coming to that end point of we're done what was that like because someone said to me once you know when you're done,
1: yeah. I always thought I'd have three children. I don't know whether that was because I was one of three, then obviously we got Rosie, but I was set on three. And I think because I had the boys quite young, I felt like I had more time Mm. to go on and I would probably end up having another one. So we sat down and talked and we said, obviously we asked each other and I said, I probably will go on and want another one so then we decided to do it sooner than later yeah. I think you know and have them all together and not too much of a gap and then once cast come along we knew that was it and it's not the caring for I could look after loads of kids and but it gets to a them. certain point where it's, you're just like yeah it's tension yeah. I can't give them that individual and I like to make sure that they've got my time yeah um you know like in the summer holidays I make sure that I take them all individually somewhere maybe with a friend or on their own so that they have had that mum and son time but when you're in the house and it's all manic they don't get that individual so to go on and have more children I felt like I haven't got enough time now to give yeah. them all that attention. So if someone else comes along, if they did, you'd do it. You'd yeah. get on and you would do it. But I, that was what was in the back of my mind. to why not to have any more children?
0: Let's talk about the chaos. You have four boys. like <laughs> I have three and I feel like a massive part of my mothering role has been refereeing. Yes. It feels like they can't walk past each other without an arm or a leg flying out. <laughs> you know, it's, it's constant.
1: Constant. It's exactly the same in mine it's like a domino effect the eldest picks on the next one that one picks <laughs> on that one that one picks on that one I had friends who have had girls first and then they have a boy and they go oh I think there's something wrong with him. I said, no, there's nothing wrong with him. He's just a boy. He's very active. <laughs> they don't sit still. Whereas girls, you find you can go to a restaurant, they will colour in and they will get on with the Whereas mine are just up and running around and, and you try and control them. The more you try and control them, the louder it
0: gets. See, <laughs> that's the thing. Like, I, I, And this is something I'm actually discovering recently and I don't know why, I'm only just discovering it. I feel like if I try and fight it, it actually gets worse. Yes. Yeah. So how do you remain sort of calm or do you just have to embrace it?
1: It takes a while and then it will snap. But I'm at the point now where they'll all go outside and they'll all go out happy and say, are you coming? Are you coming? Let's go and play football. I wait for the cry. (laughs) Who's going to be first in crying because
0: someone's tackled them or someone's done this, yeah. someone's done that. I expect it. but That's like when they're laughing, when they're all having an amazing time, you know there's going to be a tip. Yes. You know there is. <laughs> but you don't want to stop that laughter. I know. Well,
1: I just know once they say, do you want to come and do this with me? I'm thinking, what's the intention? Like, are you doing it for a fun time or are you doing it to make them cry? Or And at the minute, the thing my boys are doing is getting boxing gloves on and all going on the trampoline. So the trampoline's got... <laughs> You know, they're netting round, so it's yeah. some sort of, like, cage fighting type thing. And all you see is the them bouncing and then punching and kicking. But I say, no, someone's going to get hit, And they go, no, we love it. I'm thinking, oh, please. And but that's the just, thing. Sometimes yeah. you've just got to let it yeah. play out. I, I like them doing stuff together. And that's where you think, oh, maybe it will work out, but it
0: never does. Do yeah. you find that the things that they're doing together are generally chaos and a little bit rebellious. Yes, yeah. yeah. And they do stuff together so that if they get
1: caught, they can blame someone else. (laughs) So mine will say, oh, no, it wasn't me, it was him. But because they're in a pack, they can all blame each other and you're not just focused on one.
0: It's a total pack. And I think also, because there is that chaos and mayhem, when there are moments of calm... It is so amazing. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Like I had two of my youngest two. My seven-year-old was helping my five-year-old with his reading the other night. It's really calm in bed. A brilliant teacher, whereas at the rest of the time they'd all be quite manic and on each other. I do find when you get two of them on yeah. their own, it works. Yeah.
1: Once you put that third one in the mix or the fourth one, that's when the chaos happens. And I talk my two youngest to... Visit Wayne when he was in America, the older two have football tournaments, so my parents took them to the football tournaments, and I took the two younger ones. It was so nice because mm. my seven-year-old was a child again. Yeah. When he's with the older ones, he tries to act older and he'll just be doing sports and stuff. He's not actually sitting playing, mm. whereas the two of them were playing with figures and it was just so nice to see because I feel like the more you have, the less... Childhood, they have, and they just grow up. And when my youngest started preschool he would come out and say, Mum, Mum, and everyone was looking. Why is he calling her Mum? And not (laughs) Mummy. Like, he's the fourth one. It's like, and they were all on the face when everyone's Mummy, Daddy. And he's just like, Mum, Dad, because he's got it off
0: the older ones. (laughs) Like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think Tom is Dad, but I am still Mummy at the moment. I'm Mum. But Mama, where did that go? Like, all of
1: that. Mama, yeah. And even my eldest, like, I was Mama and my Mum was Mama Claire. And I always thought she's had to like, a, it was a nice ring to it. But now she's nan now and I'm mum. And I think you have to encourage it, whereas I probably never encouraged it from the beginning. Yeah. See, I've got a friend and all her children. Her oldest is 15 now and she's still mama. But oh. her mum is mama. So it's, it's nice. yeah, it's a nice thing.
0: I absolutely love that. Colleen, if you could write a letter on motherhood, who would it be to and what would you say?
1: I was writing to myself and I would explain that having a child is a complete life changer. There's so many good things. However, there is difficult times. Obviously, what we've talked about, it is a shock and it's not just you to think about anymore. You have got this massive responsibility and life does change, but you've got to make the best of it I think for me preparation and organisation is a good way to get by being a mum things go smoother and easier if you do plan also you'll never feel a love like you do with your children it's a totally different love just make the most of it don't get eaten up and distracted unless that take your time away from your children, which I've learned recently is, even though I was physically there looking after my children, mentally I I wasn't. And that is my biggest regret from that court case is that I was so distracted and wasn't there for, for my kids. But everyone around me understood. And now I can say I'm so happy to be Colleen again and that's what I've got back from family and friends is she's back
0: yeah, what I love as well is that it doesn't matter how old your kids are, you're still learning, yes we both said during this chat recently I've been thinking about this everything always evolves
1: no, yeah, I think through life You get so many different situations that you've never been in before and you always learn from it, whether you're going through a good thing or a bad thing. But I think it's good to learn. It's good to take on board that. It's even like what you tell your children. You can make a mistake because you learn from it. And that's what I do tell my children is, you know, I'm honest with everything. And if they ask me the question, I will honestly answer it. When you read the book, I talk about Wayne's mistakes and I don't want my boys to do that. Mm. And I say, you know, it it wasn't right, but we've moved on and, you know, we can make things right. And that is a big thing that I want my children to realise that, you know, we do make mistakes in
0: life. But we've got to learn not to do them again. Mistakes aren't the person. No. They're an action. Yeah. And you have to move past those. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I love about you is your organisation. And to get here today, because Tom's off on tour, I literally took a leap out of your book. Everything was in the car last night before they even woke up in the morning. Like, I'm always someone who puts uniforms out in piles, get organised as much as possible. And I think, actually, for me, I've worked out, that's such a massive part of my day. If I can take out the little things that could cause a meltdown, could cause something like everyone to have to take a step back. Yeah. That makes my life so much easier.
1: Yeah, it's even like I've left an option because my boys have gone back after half time. Some of them want to wear trousers, some of them still want to be in shorts. So I've left them shorts and mm-hmm. trousers because I can't be dealing with them on the phone while I'm working saying, "Where? how come you? you haven't put my shorts out when I want my trousers? Well, now
0: my new thing yeah. is <laughs> if they're like, I want to wear shorts, even though I know that they might get caught I'm like, you wear your shorts, I'll pack your trousers. Yes. That's just, that's yeah. an easy way. I'm not going to go, no. That's just easy. Yeah. So it's a
1: solution Anything rather than ticket, a problem. Yeah. It's like my youngest, he likes to take stuff into school and me, others go, why are you taking that into school? i like, just let him take it to school. Get it then. Then. <laughs> <laughs> just get in And then teach teacher can deal with it when, when we get there.
0: Oh, my son wore an orange beanie into school today. That is not school uniform. Uh, Colleen, we end the podcast with you completing three sentences. The first one is being a mum means...
1: A massive responsibility, being responsible from day one, and I don't think you ever will end. But you know, obviously, they become an adult. But I think being responsible for your child is a massive thing. Yeah,
0: since having children, I. Have appreciated sleep. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I just, you get that all the time. Yeah. So People say, oh, you get your sleep in now before you have the child. And it's not the night. It's just an ongoing, you know, you've got to be off for school. You've got yeah. to be off for football on a weekend. It's like there's no day where we don't have to be up. Yeah. So I am getting less sleep. But I think
0: before you have children, yeah, just appreciate a lion. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I do keep thinking to myself, like, at some point, they're all going to be gone. Yeah. And I'll have all the sleep and I'll wake up and there'll be no noise. And actually... That makes me a bit sad. Yeah, it does, me too. But I just would like, you know... A, a couple of hours extra. And it, yeah.
1: Eight hours, <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> once a week, but it's and no matter what, even when I have like save me mum dad stay over, and they say oh we'll get up in the morning with the children, I'm still up. Yeah, I think it's just knowing that you are in the house. But you know what, we're lucky to you know we do have breaks away together and yeah. we'll go places. And obviously, I did have a sleep in yesterday, which you know a sleep in to me is. It's
0: so the reason Part to write a seven, book. Yeah. Say it's the reason to write a book and be on but promo yeah. just to stay in a hotel and get a night sleep. No, you definitely, yeah. <laughs> and the final sentence is I'm happy when?
1: I'm with my family. Mm. I think, you know, you can be anywhere in the world, in any situation, but if you've got your loved ones around you, you always feel, you know, safe and loved. And that's, you know, sort of that I just always love is the more the merrier. Yeah.
0: I love that. And that's such a massive credit to your mum and dad as well, because they gave you that from a young age and you've carried that through. It has been an absolute delight chatting. I love reading the book and I love sitting down and I loved finding out the real you. Thank you so, so, so much. No, thanks for having me. We have something very exciting to talk about today. Happy mum, happy baby. Well, we are expanding. We're only releasing our very first record. Yes, Move Over McFly. Move Over Tom Fletcher. It's all about happy mum, happy baby. We're going into music, people. We have teamed up with Decca Records and LifeScore to build a one-stop shop for quality, trustworthy, educational music for baby, toddler and parent. Music is such a massive part of our family, and I'm so thrilled with what we've created. I can't wait for you to hear it. Now, it's worth saying that all the sounds on the album, they are played by real instruments and they feature real nature sounds. There is nothing processed. It is all organic. And all of the music aims to be enjoyable listening experience for both the child and the parent. No plonky, plonky piano. It's all just beautiful musician's with their instruments honestly it's a joy to listen to we all know the number one rule for getting your little one to sleep is to stick to a trusted routine and my hope with this album is that our creation can be a part of that and make bedtime an easier transition for all the ultimate baby sleep album is here and it encompasses three parts of baby sleep and it runs in three sections wind down going to sleep and staying asleep, running seamlessly from top to bottom for the ultimate baby sleep experience. And each section lasts around 30 minutes. So let's delve into each section and tell you what they're about. The wind down is a perfect calming music for bath time and any other pre-bed activity. This encourages special bonding time between parent and baby to prepare sleep. The melodies I've chosen to feature within the music have a very special place within my own experience of sleep routine. I loved singing little ditties or little lullabies and and this, it's just got that lovely, gentle, melodic feeling to it. The melodies can be easily hummed by parents to capture the bonding power of a parent's voice. And actually, as you listen to the music, you might even catch a few melodies of some traditional classics that were just... They just fill my heart with such love. The next section we have is called Going to Sleep. How we created this was so interesting and I absolutely loved the recording process to kind of really feel that breath actually of the musicians as they were playing. It also features natural sounds and it entwines the lullabies from the previous wind down to encourage baby to nod off at their own pace and in a relaxed state of mind. Those two sections, they kind of work together and they build We've found that this is the ideal transition for baby to acknowledge that it is now time to go to sleep. And then the next section, the final section, is during sleep or staying asleep. I like to call it staying asleep because that's the dream, people. But it provides 30 minutes of natural and environmental white noise derived from nature sounds. And then actually this leads into an additional nine and a half hours of natural white noise for babies to prefer continuous white noise once asleep no waking up in the middle of the night to press a little button on the sheep not anymore there's been so much thought and love poured into these tracks we've gone through so many different versions I've pulled on the music that I love that makes me feel nice and calm and together with Life Score and Decca Records we've really created something that I feel is really magical I played it to my kids they love it I'm so thrilled. (laughs) Can you imagine they didn't? And actually, I have to say that even as an adult, sitting at my desk and listening to different versions, I have often fallen asleep in the best way, in a very contented way. Some might call it work, some might call it a nice little nap. Either way, I loved it and it was all because of this album. With 12 hours of continuous music to help your baby sleep through the night, we are so proud to introduce you to Happy Mum, Happy Baby, The Sleep Album. I can't wait for you to hear it and then for you to tell me how you're getting on.